Okay, <clears throat> Matthew 22, we're continuing our series on Matthew, and um, Jesus continues to reveal himself as the prophet of prophets, the highest prophet that there can be, and he reveals, he knows the hearts, he knows the scriptures, he knows everything he is, and he reveals hearts, and uh, here is going to expose again uh, those religious people, uh, leaders, who uh, were posing to be uh, knowledgeable and so forth. And uh, we have those all the time. Uh, but they presented themselves as knowing the scriptures. And actually they were very, very ignorant. But when we talk about ignorance, we have uh, these days great ignorance of the Bible, right? Generally, everybody, I mean, not everybody, but generally speaking, there's so much ignorance of the scriptures. And sad to say, even within the church, we think we know, but we don't spend much time in the word. We hear, right, here and there, but we ourselves are not in the word, looking at it and studying it and so forth. Um, which gets at the uh, larger uh, cultural context, nobody uh, or very few are willing to spend the time in hard work in learning. Learning. Why? Well, we have Google. <laughs> right? Anything you want to know, just Google it. And poof, there's the answer. You don't have too much time. You don't have to spend much time. And so we think that that's the way it is with everything. Um, as an aside, we end up missing out. The way the Lord created us, He created us to discover and to be curious and to ask questions. That's the way He designed us. And the purpose for that is so that we, as we learn, we can like have joy in discovering. If we spend time learning, really just about anything, right? If you don't know how to make a cake and you spend time really working it out and you might make mistakes and make mistakes, and then, and then boom, this perfect pie or perfect cake is like, wow, wow, look at how you can make it. But just about anything, there's a great joy in discovering and learning. But we have become intellectually fat, <laughs> lazy, because everything can be handed to us real quick. And we carry that over to the Bible. Uh, and then because we have certain knowledge, because we have certain facts, we think, well, I, I can throw myself around. I can... I can do my own things very much, uh, everything. Thank you very much, because I know. And um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a danger. It's a danger. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 8, knowledge puffs up. And this is an ongoing thing. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1, the apostle told uh, Timothy, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3, I urge you, he's talking to Timothy, 
upon my departure for, uh, for Macedonia, remain on, uh, at Ephesus so that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines, nor to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies, which give rise to mere speculation rather than furthering the administration of God, which is by faith. But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. For some men, straying from these things, have turned aside to fruitless discussion, wanting to be teachers of the law, even though they do not understand either what they are saying or the matter about which they make confident assertions. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Hmm. But some people can make confident assertions. Oh, the Spirit of God. Oh, this and oh, that. And hmm. you look at their lives, it's like, mm, no. They think they know the scriptures. And, uh, and people that don't know the scriptures at all, totally, you know, they don't care about the Bible. They also make confident assertions about life and about things, and they have no idea. They have no idea. Um, and when people do not understand the scriptures and spend time in the scriptures, they can go all over the place in life. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and then realize, man, I've wasted my life. And if not wasted their lives, they go all over the place making terrible decisions, and everybody's doing their own thing, like in the book of Judges. Everybody did what was good in their own eyes. Everybody doing their own thing. No um, respect for authority. Uh, I know as much as everybody else, so... And away we go. And our young people are trapped in that. And public school teachers, and I've talked to, I don't know how many public school teachers, some of them go home crying, crying, because they've tried and they've tried in the, the audacity of the young people. It's just a total disrespect. It's just mind boggling. But again, a big part of it is because they don't know the scriptures. Uh, in Proverbs 29, Proverbs 29, this is all introduction to Matthew 22, whenever we're going to get there. Uh, Proverbs 29, verse 18, says this. Proverbs 29, verse 18. Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. And by vision, there really no instruction in Torah. No instruction in the scriptures. The parallel shows the truth. But happy is he who keeps the law, Torah. So where there's no really understand, no instruction in the word of God, and people are not understanding and applying it purpose, uh, appropriately, then whether it's the individual, whether it's the family, whether it's the church, whether it's the nation, it's chaos and it goes all over the place. So, we have to come to ourselves. How do you and I feel about understanding the Bible? How, mu how much do we understand the scriptures? Do we understand it enough? Do we understand the scriptures enough where there's some confidence of pointing people to the scriptures? Not that we have to know everything about the Bible, no. 
But is there confidence there? Because we know at least one or two passages like, man, I understood this and I've applied this. So we can direct our children, our neighbors, co-workers, fellow students, whoever. Where are we? How many of our friends and relatives seek to know the Bible? <laughs> Probably very few, if any. They really ask questions about, what, what does it mean here? Hardly anybody's asking that. What about proper application of the Bible? Ooh, forget that. Honestly, honestly, even within the church, do you see all kinds of misapplications of the Bible? All kinds of misapplications of the Bible. I do. Uh, it, it's, it's sad. And what we find here in this next passage we're going to be covering, Matthew 22, the Sadducees, it's a, a group of individuals uh, come to Jesus and they're very arrogant, thinking, <laughs> thinking they're going to trap Jesus. They're going to out-argue him. <laughs> okay, let's go at it. Let's try it. But they, they come to Jesus and Jesus just humiliates them. And that's really what we need to learn. That Jesus can humiliate the arrogant with the accurate understanding of his word. It's his word. <laughs> and when, it, when the scriptures are accurately understood and applied, oh my goodness, can it humble us. Oh, I know for myself, uh, when I have studied and studied and come to understand, it's like, Lord, mm. Help me, Lord, because I, I, I don't live up to it. I need your mercy and your grace, Lord. But there's, mm, grapple with it, and there's an understanding like, wow, look at the word of God. And so, as we go through this little passage, we're going to cover uh, Matthew 22, verse 23 to 33, 10 verses. Um we find here that the arrogant are self-deceived. The deceived arrogant, verse 21, 23 to 28. And then Jesus humiliates them, the humiliated arrogant, and then the expected response, the appropriate response, verse 33. But here we find, remember, uh, the winds of rejection have been pick, picking up and picking up. They're rejecting Jesus. And then Jesus begins to push back. And they come at him and they come at him and he's pushing back, silencing everyone that comes to him. But they're not giving up. The uh, members of the Sanhedrin, which was the highest court of the, of the Jews at the time. And the Sanhedrin was made of Sadduc uh, Sadducees, Pharisees, the elders, the chief priests. And they've been coming at him. They've been coming and trapping him, trying to trap him with his words or whatever. And every time he just nails them. And this time we have another group that comes at Jesus. Uh, it's the same day, by the way, as the previous paragraph. The previous paragraph was uh, verse, uh, starting in verse 15 in Matthew 22. There we find, Then the Pharisees went and plotted together how they might trap him with what he said. These were the Pharisees. And now we have now another group. He silenced them. And now here's another group, the Sadducees. And I'll say more about them, of course. Let me read the passage. Uh, Matthew 23, uh, Matthew 22, starting in verse 23. 
On that day, meaning the same day that the Pharisees get tried to trap him, on that same day, some Sadducees who say there's no resurrection came to Jesus and questioned him, asking, Teacher, Moses said, If a man dies having no children, his brother as next of kin shall marry his wife and raise up children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers with us. And the first buried and died, and having no children, left his wife to his brother. So also the second and the third, down to the seventh. Last of all, the woman died. <laughs> well, that's kind of funny. <laughs> Verse 28. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife of the seven will she be? For they all had her married her. But Jesus answered and said to them, You are mistaken not understanding the scriptures, nor the power of God. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given to marriage, but are like angels in heaven. But regarding the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God? I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but of the living. When the crowds heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. So here we go. It was the Sadducees. Uh, the Sadducees had a certain characteristics. The Sadducees were more the aristocrats, the upper middle class, if not the elites, the rich, the aristocrats. And as happens a lot of the time, those that are successful uh, materially, financially, uh, can become a little arrogant. Um, they held, they, the, the Sadducees held themselves to be the intellectuals, right? So all those religious leaders, the Pharisees and all that had tried to Jesus and Jesus silenced them. Well, we, we got this, we got this, right? They, they considered themselves the intellectuals. Uh, they, they were inclined to argumentation publicly because they could, could humiliate people, right? Uh, these were the, the Sadducees. Um, the Sadducees also, uh, they didn't believe in the supernatural. They were the anti-supernaturalists of the day. There are no miracles. This is ridiculous. They didn't believe in angels. Um, th now, they did say, well... <laughs> We do believe in Moses and what he wrote, but all the oral traditions of the Pharisees, come on. You know, they, they rejected all that. They were, they were too intellectual, right? They, they, they knew better. These people over here, yeah, 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 fanatics. Um, those were the Sadducees. And obviously, they did not believe in the afterlife, nor the resurrection. Uh, by the way, this is, uh, Paul made use of that. And uh, anyway, Acts 23, if you want to look at it, Acts 23, uh, they did uphold the law of Moses, but the oral traditions of the Pharisees, they did not. And they, the Sadducees were also the uh, political group that were wanting to keep Rome happy because, because Rome had all the power, Right? But they allowed certain political power 
cultural power over the Jews. And so they were the, like the, the, the go-betweens between the Romans and the Jews, and they had the political power. So if somebody came claiming to be Messiah, and this thing about the coming Messiah of the Jews was brought up over and over, the Sadducees were like, oh no, if there is a Messiah, then our power is going to be taken away because the Romans are going to come and wipe us out. Those were the Sadducees, right? Um, and so in that day, usually you see the Sadducees and the Pharisees didn't like each other. But now Jesus becomes the, the, the common enemy. So the Pharisees had tried to silence Jesus and they, you know, they were, they were humiliated. They were silenced. So now the Pharisees, man, if they couldn't keep Jesus. And Jesus is claiming to be Messiah. And the children are saying, Hosanna, blessed is he comes in the name of the Lord. And so they're like, wow, wow, yeah, well, we need to stop him. So here comes the Sadducees, the, the political elites of the, the Jews. And so they're the ones that are going to come and nail Jesus. And they were the intellectuals. So here we go. On that same day, the Sadducees, who say there's no resurrection, just in case you didn't know, <laughs> Matthew just throws it in there just for clarification, who say there's no resurrection, came to Jesus questioning him, and they, the way they present themselves, it's amazing. Amazing. What do they call him again? Teacher. And if you remember, uh, a teacher in that time was... Very highly regarded. Uh, a teacher at that time, as I said, uh, if uh, a family, a member of the family, a son or, was a teacher, when that son would come home, even the father had to stand up in honor of his son because his son was a teacher. So to call somebody a teacher is like, whoa, man, you, you're, you're it. So they, they come around and a teacher, that's what they call him, asking teacher, and then they quote Moses. And then they quote Moses, teacher, uh, Moses, Moses, Moses wrote this. If a man, no, you hear the story there. Moses wrote, let's just say for round off, 1,400 years before. That's when Moses, more or less. About 1,400 years before Jesus. So they come to him, teacher, Moses, Wrote this, you know, something. A brother dies and have no children. His brother has to marry him to raise children in his name, so his name won't be blotted out, right? And he says that the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. And um, they quote Moses from Deuteronomy twenty-five five, from Deuteronomy. You need to keep that in mind. They quote from Moses from Deuteronomy 25. And it's real interesting that uh, when it says uh, that a man dies having no children, his brother is next to him, shall marry his wife and raise up. That word raise up is the same word for resurrection. <laughs> I mean, themselves had quoted. Okay, never mind. Um, so they go on to say, and they, it's almost like a mocking thing, right? Not, not only do they quote Moses, um, in verse 25, 
They make it sound like we've experienced this. You know how I can tell? Because in verse 25, it says, Now there were seven brothers with us. Like, we, we're talking out of experience. They were, these seven brothers were with us. And by the way, in the original, with us is at the, towards the beginning of the sentence. And in Greek, where you put something in the beginning of the sentence, boom, emphasis. That's, that's the point. So here, uh, after they quote Moses, you can say, there was with us seven brothers. Like, this is, we're talking about our experience. Not only we know the Bible, we also have experience. This is how they're approaching Jesus. And they think they could, they're going to nail him. Right? There were seven brothers. They all died. Each successive one had to have his brother, uh, the wife, as a wife. And then eventually the woman dies. Like, after seven brothers, well, she died too, man. Can you imagine? <laughs> Put up with all those brothers. She died. And you can almost, you can almost see the gestures of the Sadducees, right? In verse 20, 28. And you can almost hear the smear, like, she died. <laughs> and Jesus, in the quote-unquote resurrection, they, they didn't believe in resurrection. So you can almost see the gesture. In the resurrection, ha, ha, ha. Who's going to marry her? Because they all had her first. They all had her. By the way, they didn't say marry. They all had her, it says. Um, <laughs> so they thought they had him. Right? I mean, isn't it going to be ridiculous in heaven? Okay. Today you'll be his wife. Tomorrow you'll be... His wife. They after that other guy. <laughs> really? Really? That's the way it works. You can almost hear the laughter. And they were talking to Jesus. Ay, pobrecitos. So, <laughs> Jesus answers. Uh, but Jesus said to them, You are mistaken. And the word there, you are being misled. That's the real meaning of the word. You are being misled. And, 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 and in the, the original, it can be what's called a passive voice or it can be a middle voice. Right? And the difference is this. With the passive voice, something happens to the subject. Right? Um, the dog was killed. Something happened to the dog. The verb is passive, right? It could be passive or it could be middle. The middle is he drank water. The subject is doing something that affects him, right? That's middle, like doing something for himself. So here the voice is middle. You have been misled. Either you are passive, and something's been happening to you, you are being misled. Or, middle voice, you are deceiving yourself. Either one of those, either one of those. He's confronting them, and it's not good. You are either 
Somebody has misled you or you are deceiving yourself. That's, he begins, this is the way Jesus begins. Why were they being misled or deceived, self-deceived? Because they were not understanding the scriptures, nor the power of God. Two things. And there it's, you haven't been understanding. Again, this is kind of technical, but it's a, a perfect tense. The tense is, something in the past happened, complete, but the effects are still here. That's the passive. You have not been understanding, you haven't been understanding the scriptures. And the effects is that you don't, you don't even know the scriptures. Not only have you not been understanding the scriptures, you don't know the power of God. You are so, so ignorant. Remember, they were the intellectuals. They considered themselves to be the intellectuals. And Jesus is saying, you're deceiving yourself or somebody, you know, sold you ocean property in Arizona. <laughs> and you fell for it. And the reason you haven't been understanding, you haven't been understanding the scriptures, nor the power of God. You don't know God. So first of all, he says, uh, in the resurrection, you don't know things about heaven because you don't even believe in them. But he says, for in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given to marriage, but are like angels in heaven. This is a direct revelation, right? This is a revelation. But he said, you know what, you know what, you know what, you don't believe in that. You know what, you know what, hmm. let's go to the scriptures. Because you believe Moses is the authority. Well, let's go to the scriptures then, right? And what does it say about the scriptures? Um... But regarding the resurrection, verse 31, okay, you don't know the power of God. You know, in the heaven, there's no marriage. It's given to marriage by like angels. That's the power of God. He's going to change everything. But let's leave that one aside. You believe in the scriptures. Moses in particular. Okay, okay, let's go there. Verse 31. But regarding the resurrection of the dead, have you not read, you intellectual idiots? He didn't say that. That's me. I get all excited and then I, you know. But I think that was the point. Have you not read? You consider yourself knowledge of the Bible? You consider to yourself, you know, knowledge of the, the religious things, the spiritual things? Really? Have you not read? And then he says, <laughs> Have you not read what was spoken to you? By God. How long ago did Moses write? At least 1,400 years before. How could Jesus say he wrote to you, Sadducees? You know how he could say that? Because the word of God is the word of God. It applies back then. It applies now. And it will apply forever. Because it is the it authoritative word of God. And if it was written 1,400 years ago by Moses, it applies to you, son. 
but you don't understand the scriptures. Have you not read what was spoken to you? Never mind Moses. Moses was the instrument. It was by God, sir. Mm. And then, <laughs> to make his final point, you know what he uses? Grammar. Grammar. That's what he uses. Look. Verse 32. What was spoken to you by God? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, the God, I mean, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. How could he say that? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had died long before. When God said that to Moses, it was at the burning bush. This was hundreds of years before Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it was at the burning bush, in case you don't believe in the supernatural. What about when God talked to Moses in the burning bush that never was consumed? You want to figure that one, baby? Nah. But he simply said, I am. If there was no resurrection, God should have said, I was, if there's no resurrection. But he said, I am. Simple grammar. That's all God has to use to utterly shut their mouths. And that's all he said, I am. And by the way, the I am comes at the very front of the Greek sentence there. And you know what it says? Ego in me. Ego in me is I am. Remember when Moses asked God, what's your name? Because the Israelites are going to ask what God sent you. What's his name? Because at that time there were many, many, many gods. Right? And what did God answer? My name is I am. And so that's what verse 32, simple. I am the God. The one that answered Moses. I am. And it doesn't say I was as if all those patriarchs died and they'll never rise again from the dead. Simple grammar. Shut them up. <laughs> and the audience, the audience understood perfectly. We may not understand it. We may not get it, you know, almost 2,000 years later. But the audience there, he, they got it. Look what it says in verse 32, 33. And when the, heard, the crowd heard this, they were astonished. Like, astonished means you're speechless. Like, what? <laughs> I mean, they were so astonished at how he nailed them. With simple grammar. Simple grammar. Wow. Wow. You know? And so, 
Jesus can humiliate the arrogant with the accurate understanding of his word. Of his word. They came to him thinking, man, we're going to nail him. We're the intellectuals. Yeah? Okay. Let's try that. Um, now, we have to, again, to apply to say, well, who, who are these guys? And um, how can we learn from them, from the Sadducees? Well, the Sadducees valued the approval of those in power, right? H higher, that approval, they, they valued more than the approval and obedience of the Lord. They were afraid of those that had power over them instead of fearing the Lord. And you and I can have the same things, especially right now in our times, right? Cancel culture, uh, criticism. You can't say what you really believe because you're afraid how they're going to nail you. And so, wait, 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 wait. Because if we go down that road, we're going to fear others more than we fear God, right? And so for our own applications, like, what were the Pharisees like? No, not good. Not good, right? So we must evaluate whose opinion and value most? Who are we obeying above all? Is it God or is it man? Let me evaluate that. Who, who do I fear? You see? Because if we don't get that straight, we're going to be like the Sadducees. Trapped. And then we're not going to obey the word of God. So that's the first thing. We need to evaluate, who am I fearing the most? Uh, who do I value? Whose opinion do I value the most? God or the people in power, the people around me? And by the way, uh, anybody can have power over us if we fear them. It doesn't have to be high, high authorities like Rome over the Sadducees, the government over us. No, it can be our neighbor, our coworker that we're afraid of, right? Um, we need to say no. I need to uh, respect God, obey the Lord, fear the Lord, and obey Him above all others. That's the first application. Jesus and His Word, that was who we must value, understand, and obey. But, second application, uh, again from the Sadducees, they didn't know the Word. They thought they did, but it was just simple grammar. If they would have looked at the simple grammar, right? They, they, they could have, how can God say he is? They're dead. He should say I was. Simple grammar. So for you and I to say, am I spending time in the word? Am I studying the word? I, I know it takes work. I know it takes time that I don't have. Thank you very much. My value, my time is so valuable. Hmm. <laughs> How much time am I spending reading and understanding, seek to understand the scriptures? And by the way, don't rely on Sunday sermon or Wednesday evening. You need to be in the word yourself and ask, Lord, help me. We've been given the Holy Spirit. All of us, each believer, all believers have been given the Holy Spirit. If we go to the word, Lord, help me. 
I, I, you know, I've heard so many things, but Lord, you help me understand your word, Lord. I, I, he'll help you. He'll help you. That, that's, that's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. Um, I mean, again, how did Jesus deal with the, those people? Just the, the tense of the verb. That's it. I am, not I was. <laughs> so you look at the verbs, it's like, oh, what, what verb is this? What? Hey, look at the structure, and you'll learn so much. Ask the, ask the Lord to help you. Spend time in the Word, right? In Proverbs 2, Proverbs chapter 2, I tore my page here. Proverbs chapter 2 says this. Proverbs 2, starting in verse 1. My son, if you will receive my words, be receptive to the word of God, and treasure my commandments within you, meaning place them in a high, high value. Value the word of God. Make your ear attentive to wisdom, Lord. I want to learn to make better decisions, to be wise, Lord. Make your attention to wisdom and incline your heart to understanding with your, with your heart. For if you cry for discernment, really work hard, cry for, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek for her as silver and search for her as hidden treasure, then, verse 5, then, you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Wow. That's so unlike today, no? Today, just Google it. Nowadays, not even Google. Tick-tock it. <laughs> and we think we gain wisdom. What about the Word of God? Oh, oh tick-tock. Oh, man, you can get everything there. Uh-huh. Mm. Study the word. Finally, my last application. Jesus is our Savior and He is our Lord. We need to study and know Jesus Christ. When we get to, get, get to meet with Him, there won't be any excuses. People won't have any legal loopholes nor philosophical way out. No. We need, to be hum- we need to humble ourselves before the Lordship of Christ. Because you know what? At His word, at His word, everyone is going to be raised from the dead. Believer and non-believer. They might have been dead 2,000 years ago. No problem. They're going to be raised from the dead at His word. And He will judge everyone. Those who trusted in him to everlasting life. Those that did not obey the truth to everlasting judgment. But they will rise again. John chapter 5, verse 17 and all the way to verse 29. Read it whenever you like. Because they were, the Jews were offended. They were offended that Jesus was claiming to be equal to God the Father. And Jesus saying, well, I am equal. In fact, and my word... At my word, everyone is going to rise again from the dead. Like, yes, sir. 
Yes, He is Lord. He is our Savior, but He is our Lord. And so that's why to spend time studying, who is He? Who is He? I don't know how many people that over the years and pretty much every day I talk to people and come to my office and they're having troubles. And they don't have much knowledge of the Word or especially of Jesus. You know, He's way down there in the priority levels, you know. And it's a simple question. It's a simple question. They're having trouble with some relationship. Question, question. How much time do you spend thinking about that relationship? And how much time do you spend thinking about Jesus? Not a good question. Skip over that one. (laughs) And it's a very simple question. Right? And to to study Jesus and and over over time, to commit to him, you know what begins to happen? You begin to put priority on Jesus. So you begin to have difficulties like, Lord, what are you doing in this situation? Lord, show me. What are you doing with this person? Show me. What are you doing with me in this difficult situation, Lord? Because you see, we begin to say, Lord, you're involved right here, Lord. You really love me. And I want to honor you. And that begins to develop more and more to where when problems come, it's almost a natural, Lord, what are you up to here? Either with that person or with me or with both of us, you see? Instead of just thinking, 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 how can I change that person? How can I make that person repent? How can I make that person behave? How can I make... What about Jesus, you see? And so here with the Sadducees, they were afraid of the Romans. And they're trying to put Jesus down. And they didn't realize that Jesus was their Lord, is the Lord. But you and I need to, again, say, I need to study the scriptures. I need to study Jesus to learn more about who he is so I can be more stable in life and make better decisions, decisions that really, really, really matter in the long run. We think of decisions we have to make now because, oh, uh, I'm going to make this situation better. If I focus on this now, never mind what Jesus wants, just now, just here, right here. And we need to say, no, let me pick up my eyes. Look to over there what God is about. God's values and what God is after. Not just me, my immediate situation. Jesus is Lord. We just study him and claim him more and submit to him more as Lord of our lives. Because when we do not... He's very creative in the way he can humiliate us. (laughs) He's very creative. I mean, he's got tricks up his sleeves that we don't know about. So it's better to humble ourselves. Lord, you're Lord. Help me understand. Help me know you, Lord. Because the Sadducees got this real humiliating confrontation with Jesus. Have you not read? You don't even know your grammar, man. You're not even paying attention. And you want to instruct me about God? About resurrection? Utterly humiliated. 